Hello, I'm Father Kurt Hine with Light of Christ Anglican Church, and we are working through to be a Christian in Anglican Catechism. What is the kingdom of God? We're going to ask that question, and we are going to answer it today. If you like this video, hit the like button, hit the bell so that you know when, it, when it's uh, been uploaded, and then also share this with your friends and comment below. So let's begin with prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. Okay, let's start at question 178, page 71 in your catechism. The second petition, thy kingdom come. What is the second petition? The second petition is, thy kingdom come. All right, uh, ready for the next question. <laughs> 179, what is God's kingdom? The kingdom of God is the just and peaceful reign of Jesus Christ over all the world, especially in the lives of his faithful people, through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. So you can translate the kingdom of God um, when you see it in scripture to God's reign, God's reign. So God's kingdom is a way of talking about the just and peaceful rule of Jesus in all the world. Wherever Jesus is working with his justice and mercy, there is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's reign, is God's rule. And so the kingdom of God is especially found where people gather around word and sacrament, the means through which God works with his grace. The sacraments bring forth the kingdom in the hearts and lives of those who trust Jesus. And this happens through the work of the third person of the Trinity. That is the Holy Spirit. So all kingdom work, therefore, is deeply rooted in the sacramental life of the church. So justice work is not necessarily kingdom work. It's important to know this. If it does not find its energy and its source in Jesus, who gives us his body and blood in the Eucharist, and eventually, if any sort of work is disconnected from the life-giving source, human justice becomes twisted and actually becomes injustice, causing incredible human pain and suffering. Of course, one example of this historically is, is Marxist ideologies, which take many of their fundamental principles from Christianity, but disconnected from Christ, what happens? Well, we see what happened historically in Russia. Uh, it gave birth to the communist state and to, um, to much untold suffering. So God's kingdom brings justice when Christ is its goal and source. And it's in that spirit that we work for justice and mercy as Christians within the world. All governmental systems are provisional, and we do what we can within them. But God's kingdom, God's reign, God's rule is forever. Continuing on page 180, or question 180. When you pray for God's kingdom to come, what are you asking? <clears throat> I pray that the whole creation may be renewed and restored under its rightful Lord, now in part and fully in the age to come. So God's work is to renew and restore his good creation. And even more than that, although the catechism really doesn't get into this, God's kingdom elevates humanity by grace to greater heights than nature alone can bring us. Actually, uh, God's kingdom results in us being able to see God himself. This is called the beatific vision. So the catechism reminds us correctly that God's kingdom is much more than simply individuals coming to know God, and even more than just all humanity collectively coming to know God. But the scope of redemption actually encompasses the entire created order. And this has already begun with the beginning of God's kingdom in the incarnation of the word of God in Jesus. And it will be fully realized and fully appear when Christ returns in power and great glory at the end of the ages. We read about this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For in him, Christ, 
all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so we see here, Paul, St. Paul is teaching us of the cosmic scope of the redemption of the world through Jesus. So in the meantime, between Christ's first and second advent, first and second coming, we co-work and co-reign with Christ in his kingdom, and we actually have the, the great privilege of participating in the advancement of God's kingdom in every aspect of human life. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. We were dead in our trespasses, and he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And listen to this. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, he's, we're actually seated as co-regents with Christ, ruling in his kingdom. It's, it's a spiritual reality um, for today. So the result of this is that biblical Christianity is not escapist. It's not just about a future eternal life or a future heaven up there. Neither is it just about the here and now. But actually, biblical Christianity, historical Christianity, is about the world of the here and now having eternal forever significance. Continuing, question 181. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom is announced to the people of Israel, arrives in Jesus Christ, and advances through the church's mission. It will appear in its fullness once Christ returns in glory. So if you remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, he sees this tall statue. It has a head of gold, arms and a chest of silver, a middle and thighs of bronze, and legs of iron, and feet of iron and partly clay. And this great statue, which Nebuchadnezzar sees and, and Daniel interprets, represents all the kingdoms of the world. Then what happens in this dream? A stone, quote, a stone cut out by no human hand, and this prophetically refers to Christ, who is born of a virgin, rolls down, crushes the statue, and grows to fill the whole earth to become a giant mountain. And this stone is the kingdom of God, which reaches its conclusion in the heavenly mountain city of the New Jerusalem. So Christ's kingdom has come with his incarnation, death, and resurrection. It's already come, and it continues to fill the earth through the church's mission like leaven fills a loaf slowly. And at the right time, this kingdom will appear suddenly in its fullness at the return of Christ. Question 182. How do you live in God's kingdom? As a citizen of God's kingdom, I am called to live in obedience to God's word and will, in loving witness and service to others, and in joyful hope of Christ's return. So here the, the catechism is going to get really practical. How do we live in God's kingdom? In other words, how does God's reign come into our lives? How is it relevant to us? Well, first, the Catechism tells us we need to be reminded of our ultimate and true citizenship. My allegiance, a Christian's allegiance, is first and foremost, without competition, to God and what he is doing. He is king and there is no other. I am a citizen of the kingdom before I am anything else. All the kings of this world, all the lords, all the politicians, all the governmental authorities, all of the power structures are underneath him. I am a citizen of that kingdom, of God's kingdom, above anything else. I fly no flag higher than the cross of Christ who died for me. And every other identity, every other belonging, 
Every other citizenship must always and at all times submit to Christ, who is Lord of all. Then we must obey the laws of this kingdom of God, right? Which are good for us and for the world because they come from our loving, merciful Father who made us and knows us. And so we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We open ourselves up to, the, to God's grace that's available to us in word and sacrament to make us the sort of kingdom people that Jesus describes as he inaugurates that kingdom on the Sermon on the Mount. Those, we are those people that go the second mile. mile. He makes us into those people who love even their enemies. He makes us into those kinds of people who are faithful to wives and husbands, who care for the poor. Then our life and words, the Catechism tells us, become a witness to this reign of God. We are ambassadors, to use a, a phrase related to kingdoms and governments. We are ambassadors of this different world order. Lastly, this reality of the kingdom of God fills us with joy. Here's the reality. Here's the truth. If you become preoccupied with the kingdom, kingdoms of this world, which rise and fall, which become corrupted, which have been corrupted for long a long time and have caused an uns unspeakable human suffering in the past, if you become preoccupied with this, whether the past, the present, or the future, you will become depressed. You will become cynical. You will become hopeless. There will be no hope. But if you focus your mind on the kingdom of God, and get busy doing his work, you have a hope that CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or whatever internet blog or news site you look at can never take away from you. Our hope is based in the fact that Christ has already defeated the spiritual forces of darkness on the cross, that he has said it is finished. D-Day has already occurred. And even as we, as we co-work, with him and fight these spiritual battles, it is not up to our strength, no, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen.